0: Welcome to The Latest Version, a podcast about change, growth, and reinvention. I'm your host, Betsy Bush. Maybe you're in your 50s or 60s, and you're ready for something different. Taking on a new challenge or picking up that passion you set aside in your youth. Kids out of the house, now it's your turn to fly. Or maybe you've been walloped with a life change you didn't see coming. You are not alone. I'm talking to people who have been on that journey, and they're sharing their insights and advice. So, what's your latest version?
1: You are not the only one living this story, and you will get through it. Don't keep looking back. What did I do wrong? What should I have done? That time is over. You're living in the present and looking forward, so it doesn't matter what happened in the past. Just exist today and see where it takes you. Many of us have had
0: the experience of a difficult divorce. The disappointment of a marriage entered into with optimism and hope that turns into something very different. Many people take years to recover from the trauma. My guest today, Susan Pava, took a different path. She used her divorce experience to go back to school and become a licensed marriage and family therapist, specializing in divorce and relationship recovery. She has both practical advice as well as a message of renewal that every person ending a difficult relationship needs to hear. Susan, welcome to The Latest Version. I'm so glad you're here with us
1: today. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you so much
0: for having me today. Where you started out, um, is very different from where you are now, and I think a lot of us have these these stories of coming out of college and going into a field where you thought you would you know stay for a while. You had an interesting early career in advertising. Can you tell me about that
1: ah uh, yes i after I left college i didn 't know what I wanted to do i wasn't ready to work, so I went to uh Syracuse University, the Newhouse School. And got a master's in telecommunications and film, and then found myself in New York City. First working for MTV as a production assistant, and then landing my first job in advertising. Uh, you had some really
0: national or international level clients. It was kind of the end of the Mad Men era, if I can put it that way. Can Can you describe what that was? What
1: What that time was like for you? Uh, Sure. I I probably came in after the Mad Men era, but there was still the culture was somewhat Mm -hmm. still there. I was fortunate enough to get my first job in the oldest advertising agency in the country, and I was fortunate enough to work on accounts like AT&T, the Reach Out and Touch Someone, De Beers Diamonds, Avon seven up or you know big big products so they had the budgets and mm-hmm. it was loads of fun I learned a, a lot and it was kind of a an interesting culture to be involved in yeah it
0: sounds it sounds very heady and exciting um I had that sort of experience myself right out of college when I was uh kind of in the uh broadcasting world behind the scenes in New York um you also met your first husband in in those years.
1: Am I correct? Right. Yes. Um, we worked on an AT and um, commercial, sponsoring the Live Aid concert years and years ago. He was the art director, and I was the producer, and that was how it started. We are still terrific friends to this day. We have one daughter together who's remarkable, and um, we seem to have done everything right.
0: So you had an experience where a relationship ended, but there was a friendship that, or at least an amicability between the two of you that kind of maybe made you think that this was always what it was going to be like if you had to go through, say, a second divorce.
1: Yes. I mean, I I knew in the back of my mind that most people, it's it's hard to be amicable, but we were young. We had a small uh, baby, essentially, and we had a long time to navigate together. And I think both of us decided we were going to do it. I hate to say properly, but the easy way. We weren't going to argue with one another. We weren't going to fight with one another. Our main focus was going to be our daughter, and that's what it was, and she has thrived because of it.
0: Many women, when they give up careers to marry, stay home with the kids, which many of us love doing, by the way, Um, I was one of those, What happens to women when they do that? They are giving up um, an an income stream, uh, an ability to be independent. Um, uh, They put they're putting their trust in their partner to uphold their end of the bargain of what's happening here. Um, Kind of explain
1: what that whole thing is about. Uh, You know, I think it's a a difficult choice for women our culture at least up till now has said that the mother stays home or works and raises the children when you choose to stay home you take yourself out of a community of peers and if you're someone like me who really wasn't that interested in having lunch dates and talking about teachers and diapers and and that kind of stuff it grows old very mm. quickly And you sort of miss the camaraderie of your peers. You miss the validation of your peers. Now, if you're married to somebody where it's a team effort, all is well. But when you're married to somebody who sees you strictly as a housewife and mother, that causes lots of problems, unless that's who you really want to be. That was not me.
0: Explain how it was that you entered into the second relationship Uh, What was, did you have specific goals in mind? Was it, you know, true love or was there something else that you were looking for?
1: I've done a lot of soul searching about this. And I've come to the conclusion that I really, really wanted more children. And I was willing to dance with the devil, as they say, um, to get them. Uh, I wouldn't really advise that to too many people because I landed in a heap of trouble with that attitude.
0: When did you feel things were going off track?
1: Well, honestly and and I hate to admit this, but I knew in the very beginning it just wasn't right, but I I didn't know what right was in a marriage. But, you know, we all have a gut instinct and I knew early on something was just not right, but I had a goal in mind, which was to have more children. And um, I had blinders on to everything else. When did you feel that
0: divorce was going to be the only solution to this problem?
1: I knew early on that this probably wasn't going to last, but I worked so hard and did my best. But when I realized that it was just me putting in the effort and that the person I was married to was not changing at all and had no interest in changing or even meeting me halfway, I realized that I could spend the rest of my life in a situation like this, or I could cut my losses and move on. So that's what I decided to do. When did
0: you make the decision to become a licensed family therapist? And that sounds like a lot of training involved. Um, what what was that process like, and and what was how did your thinking evolve on that?
1: It's kind of a I have kind of a funny answer for that. Um, when I was about eighteen years old, my mother told me I should be a social worker, and I poo pooed her. I had just worked for the district attorney over the summer as a summer job, and I the whole thing was not in the cards for me. Then I was in advertising and I was growing restless. So I I took some social work classes, but um, didn't finish it as I had a a child I had to support. And then when my marriage went off the rails uh, and was such a difficult, litigious, scorched earth divorce, I decided that I needed to help other people because I knew what they needed and I knew there was nobody out there who could help me. So I was just going to have to go it on my own and um, hopefully learn what I needed to and help others. So so when you were going through
0: this, you really felt like the people who were supposed – that there wasn't the type of help out there – that could assist someone in the position that you were in dealing with the type of person you were dealing with.
1: Yes. Um I was married to somebody with a personality disorder. Um, so it wasn't your normal divorce, excuse me, it wasn't your normal divorce. So I I had things coming at me from every direction. I I didn't know what end was up. Um, And there wasn't a single person out there who got it, who really could sit with me. I mean, I went to a therapist, but they weren't and she was wonderful, but they weren't accustomed to somebody bringing in the problem that I had. And so I had to figure it out on my own. And surprisingly enough, when we're put in a position where we have to be resilient, it's amazing what we can find.
0: What is the training involved in becoming a
1: licensed family and marriage counselor therapist? Um, I spent three years in a classroom uh, and two years post doing internships, and um, and then additionally, I since I was trained as a marriage and family therapist, which is more a systemic look at therapy, I also learned all the behavioral. Um, Types of therapy like uh, CBT, REBT, ACT, so that I could really deal with people's emotional issues, their um, dysregulation, the impulsivity, the anxiety, the depression, the PTSD, all those things that get triggered when we're going through a divorce. So I, I sort of learned what I needed to know then and now use it in the present and moving for moving forward in the future to help others.
0: So you feel that you've had an, um, I wouldn't say a unique experience, but an ex- very sp- particular type of experience that you can use to help other people going through the same kind of uh, process.
1: Yes. And what's remarkable is there are more people out there who are dealing with with divorces like mine than you might ever believe. And in fact, I met a woman um, in a program that I attended last week, and she's basically my my twin from another mother. She has wow. had the exact same experience and the same triggers from growing up that led her into a marriage with a narcissist or mm. or worse, sounds like in her situation a lot of us are out there and a lot of us don't know what to do. Do we stay? Do we go? Are we miserable? And I realize we get one life to live and, you know, don't give it away so fast.
0: I would imagine there is a power dynamic um, at work that must be frankly terrifying. If you're a woman who's been home who doesn't have an ability to support herself and her children, that power dynamic, which is always in the hands of the other partner, must be must be very uh, damaging to a lot of people.
1: It is very damaging, because it attacks your sense of who you are. And how could I have been so wrong? And so there's a lot of self denigration. And there's so. A lot of questioning. How could I have done this? Or I shouldn't have done this. You know, we can't. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but you can't look at the decision you made twenty years later based on what you know now versus what you knew twenty years ago. You made it knowing the you know with the information you had at the time. So you can't beat yourself up later in life to say, "Oh, I should have. I could have." Well. Maybe, but maybe not. So it's all about healing. You know, we, we, we tend to beat ourselves up when we make mistakes. And and we're all human and we're all fallible and we all make mistakes, big ones and little ones.
0: Uh, you were telling me about an experience you've had recently going to, um, taking part in a memoir writing workshop uh, and you found it very liberating or exciting to be a part of? Can you tell me a bit about that?
1: Um, I did a memoir writing course called From the Heart up at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, which is a spiritual center. There were 34 of us, mostly women, but a few men. And I don't know how to explain it other than saying it was the most extraordinary experience. We came from all walks of life but we all had a story and the woman who taught the course made it so warm and comfortable and safe for us to share that I think some of us looked at ourselves and and couldn't believe we were actually doing this in front of 34 strangers. Um, You don't have to be a writer. I, I am, but there were plenty of people who aren't writers yet they have a story to tell. And it was, uh, liberating, really liberating, and you felt held by everybody. the tears were flowing the the hugs the these were strangers, and at the end of five days, we feel like we know each other so well and i can 't recommend doing something like that it doesn 't have to be that, but just to get a better understanding of yourself and to learn to love yourself again. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, memoir writing workshops are so interesting. Um, and if my listener who is not in the New York area is interested, you know, there are writing workshops in all sorts of spaces, community colleges, some libraries, adult education um, programs often have memoir writing workshops. Um,
1: you can do led- Excuse me. You can do many of them online. If you go to masterclass, Ah, um, a woman, this woman that I met, she teaches a course on masterclass called story alchemy. Mm -hmm. And essentially she shows you a way to um, somewhat change the narrative that you've written for yourself and turn it into a narrative of self-love as opposed to a narrative of how could I have done this.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And so there, there are a lot of them. There are, there's a place called Kripalu also. Um, I think it's in outside of Albany area perhaps. Yeah. I think it's in the Berkshires. Berkshires, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So there are a number of places for people to go to do this kind of thing. If not online, everything is online now.
0: Right. Do you, do you think you would recommend this to people um, who are going through difficult, difficult uh, relationships uh, to think about a memoir writing process to maybe get it to the bottom of what happened or, or whatever?
1: W- whether you want to write your own memoir or you just want to journal your thoughts, it it's helpful. And, and, while you're journaling, you want to add a piece of gratitude, you want to write what you're grateful for. And if you can do that at the end of every day before you go to sleep, neuroscience has shown us that within a matter of days or weeks, you will wake up the next morning in a better frame of mind, Hmm. more able to greet the day. So writing is a way for us to process um, our emotions. And a lot of us don't process them at all which is why we end up either feeling depressed or anxious or any number of things. I'm sorry, let's, let's let's say that again.
0: Write down in a journal before you go to bed
1: three things that you're grateful for. And they don't have to be, you know, huge things. They could be I'm grateful the train wasn't late today. I'm grateful I didn't I got out of work early. Um, I'm grateful my, my child ate their entire meal, <laughs> little, <laughs> things little things, little add things up to a whole lot when it comes to that. And the same holds true for, um, when you look at your day at the end of the day, don't look back on what went wrong. Mm. That's easy to do, but look back on what went well, that too will set you up to wake up the next morning in a better frame of mind.
0: That is that's some great advice, and I think that's something everyone can do, whatever the state of your current relationship. It sounds like a very, very healthy thing to do. Yes, um, it, you know, in the end, um, you've talked about uh, going through this this uh, terrible divorce, becoming a, a, a and coming out at the other end with a new career and a new identity. Um, in the end, you really have a hopeful message for people who are facing having to go through all of this.
1: I guess I believe wholeheartedly in making lemonades, lemon lemonade from lemons. Um, I took my experience and I worked it in such a way that I can use it now to help others. And by doing that, I continue to heal each and every day. Um. I would love to read a quote from a book called Broken Open by Elizabeth Lesser, who actually is the founder of the Omega Institute. And this book changed my life, basically, when I was at the bottom, not knowing where I was going or what to do. I read this book and it spoke volumes to me. So if I could read this one quote, I would love to. I have noticed that the most generous and vital people are those who have been broken open by change or loss or adversity and not just broken open on the outside. Indeed, it is the internal transformation that matters most. If there is one thing that has made a difference in my life, it is the courage to turn and face what wants to change within me. And, That's just one of the pearls in her book. But essentially, she's saying what we know about everything in life you have a choice. You can choose to stay miserable and unhappy and broken down. Or you can say, I have this one life. I have these values. I have these goals. I'm going to behave in a manner that's going to get me. To those goals, and I'm going to be broken open. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to let this lesson teach me and let the pain teach me what matters most in life.
0: So someone needn't look at entering into what's going to be this kind of traumatic process and think, oh, you know, I've ruined everything. I'll never be the same Um, I'll never recover from this. You don't have, you have a much more positive message.
1: You don't have to do any of that. And and granted, you know, it is hard. It's a hard task, but if you can keep the end goal, and that is to, to, I guess, to fly, to, to figure out who you are and live that life that you so desperately want, because you can, it's just a decision to make.
0: You know, Susan, I I always ask my guests for three pieces of advice, but I'm wondering if you have some important tips for women who are thinking of divorce um,
1: in the very early stages. Um, I have some some tips that will help you uh, in your everyday life, like before you announce that you want a divorce, women need to open their own checking account, get their own credit card, organize yourself by getting papers of anything you might need, like um, bank statements, property deeds, all those things. But on the spiritual and emotional side, I think you have to accept that this is one of the most difficult things you may ever go through in life, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. You will surprise yourself with how much resilience you have and that you're not alone. You are not the only one living this story and you will get through it. Just put those blinders on and, and look forward. Don't keep looking back. What did I do wrong? What should I have done? Time, that time is over. You're living in the present and looking forward. So it doesn't matter what happened in the past. Just exist today and see where it takes you.
0: What about um, the team of people you should have around you?
1: Yes, I left that out. And that is extremely important. Make sure that you have a team that you feel safe who isn't questioning you, who isn't saying, did that really happen? Oh, that doesn't sound right. You want somebody who has your back, who's not negotiating with another lawyer so that they can get a better deal on another case they may have together. You want somebody who's going to, if they can't take your phone calls right away, they either will get back to you or they will send you an email. But more importantly, instead of counting on your lawyer find yourself a therapist not your best friend because they're going to tell you what you want to hear but find a therapist who can help safeguard the process for you
0: um any other words of wisdom um before we say goodbye you're 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 just um a font of knowledge on a, a topic that's difficult for many people to talk about and and uh and contemplate?
1: I guess what I realized most is that you'll find during this time that you grow in ways you never thought possible. There are so many unexpected gifts that you get that for me, at least I look at before the divorce and after the divorce. And I can remember saying to myself that, God or whomever is up there must have some really unbelievably amazing things for me to put me through this real test of endurance. And I can't begin to tell you how karma has been paid back time and time again from getting the job that I wanted, from meeting the right people, to things just appearing when I needed them most. It is astounding. So, My last words, I suppose, are make sure you open your heart. Don't close yourself off because change is coming. Change is difficult. Change is exhausting. But you can do it and you will be so happy and proud of yourself when you do.
0: That's a wonderful, hopeful message to end on. Uh, Susan Pava, thank you so much for being my guest today on the latest version. And all the best to you. And I am um, jealous of your patients because I know they're getting wonderful advice because you have just such a a warm and positive message, but clear-eyed as well.
1: Thank you so much, Betsy, for having me and allowing me to share my story with everybody. Thanks again. Thanks
0: for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow the show at The Latest Version Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And visit thelatestversionpodcast.com for more about me and my guests. I'm Betsy Bush, and this is my Latest Version.